Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for the opportunity to walk into a new year, a new decade. Would you absolutely have your way? God, we are your sons and your daughters, and we seek you. We are starting our year off with you. So would you work in us? Would you open our hearts and our minds, and would your word speak to us? God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you, would, you, would, you, would you bring conviction? Would you bring challenge, God? But would you bring blessing and security and direction and peace and growth? God, we desire more of you. Bless us, Lord. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, I'm going to give a little bit of an introduction. It might be a little different than we might normally start a series, but um, I just want to do maybe a little bit of teaching so that you understand what's happening because we're doing a verse-by-verse study in the book of James. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book of James, so I just want to kind of give you a little bit of what's going on. So who, who is James? Well, his letter does not say a whole much. He opens the letter, and he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he introduced himself. He doesn't say, hey, I'm the apostle, I'm the great one, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that oversees all this. No, he says, I'm a servant, and I, I, I'm a servant uh, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he really takes this humble introduction of himself. Uh, and as we look at Scripture historically, when we look at Matthew 13, 35 and Acts 15, and please check those out on your own, and then we look at some of the historical evidences um, that were there, early writers after the church who wrote like just documents that are outside the Bible, we come to really look at Matthew and Acts um, and see what happens here, and they tell us who he is. He is James the Just. He is the half-brother of Jesus. And, and I want you to think about that for a moment. Imagine being Jesus' brother. See, the whole time in his life, and I'm going to explain a little bit more of this, but this guy, he does not believe until after Jesus has died and resurrected. Once Jesus is resurrected, he finally comes to believe. He's grown up in the same household as Jesus, and he does not believe. Because imagine, you're, you're, you're like, how, how can my brother, who we've been playing Legos with, you know, how can he be that? And so he's at this place where he finally believes, and we see that happen as Jesus takes time out, spends time with him after he's resurrected and before he ascends in heaven, and they talk. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is James the, the Just. He is the half-brother of Jesus. He is also the eventual leader of the Jerusalem church, the Jerusalem council. One day, he becomes the leader of the movement after Jesus has ascended and the apostles and everyone's going, splitting away and the church is growing. He becomes that leader as we have that recorded in history. And then I want you to check out this timeline just as we're getting, can you check out this uh, timeline? Can we put the slide has a, a timeline? Right back. Let's just see this. Yes. Oh, man, that's a little, little small. Okay. Um, so we see the death and resurrection of Christ in about A.D. 33 or 30. And, and, and the reason for that, we're like, well, is it 33, 30? It's just when we got the calendar started there going for the A.D. is kind of the, the little bit of confusion. There's a three-year thing there. Um, and then James, the brother of Jesus, he becomes a believer right at that time in that 30 to 33 and then James sees the Apostle Paul for the first time in Jerusalem in 36, 37, in the year 36 and 37. Then James writes this letter that we're about to get in between the years 40 and 45. 
Um, and then Paul writes his first letter to the Galatians, the book of Galatians in 48. The apostolic council in Jerusalem is gathered in 48 and 49. James becomes the leader of that. And then Paul visits James in Jerusalem, comes sees him as this leader of the council in 57. And then James is martyred for his faith and leading the church in that way in the year 62. And so this is this brother that we're about to get in and we're gonna look at the book and what God was stirring in his heart and who he was speaking to, which leads me to my next uh, thing is, who is James writing this letter to? You see, he's writing it to persecuted Jewish Christians who have been dispersed across the area. And I, and I have this map. I want to show you this map here. Um, click the next slide here. So this is right here of where they would have began right here, okay? And, and so this map is not a modern-day map. This is what the map would have looked like during these biblical times, okay? And so here's where these, th these Jews would have become Christians. They would have been converted, believed in Jesus right here. And because of the persecution, they began to spread up here. And you see Antioch right here? I love Antioch. Antioch is where the church first became multi-ethnic, where they first be saying, hey, we're going to have different races and cultures all right there. And it's one of the reasons why it's part of our mosaic and everything like that, Antioch. But as you come up here and you look at some of these places, you look, it becomes so amazing. You see Galatia, Paul writes to the church in Galatia. That's the book of Galatians right there. And, and, and you look right there, there's Colossa, there's the book of Colossians, he writes to the church there, writes to the church in Ephesus, um, you see Asia, Troas right there, Paul travels some of these areas, see Philippi up there, he writes to the book of Philippians, um, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Corinth, right, we see First and Second Corinthians, there's about four letters, but we only have two of them, um, First and Second Corinthians, but they're not necessarily uh, in that order there, um, in, uh, and then Paul eventually travels all the way up here to Rome. And see, all of this is going on as the gospel is spreading in these areas. James is the head of the council of the church. He's overseeing all the pastors, all the apostles. He, he is the guy. He has the opportunity to lead this. And before that, he writes this letter to us. Um, and he's writing to these persecuted Christians who began right there in the Palestine, Jerusalem area and have been dispersed. And that's where we're going. All right? Wanted to give you that. Uh, you guys, you guys doing good? All right. Just wanted to give you a little bit of where we're going. All right. Um, so you ready? All right. Give your neighbor a high five. Let's jump into this. All right. So we're going to get into Luke chapter one, and we're going to really read this verse by verse. And this is what it's going to look like here for us on Sundays um, right now in this series. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter one, verse one, and today is going to be um, up to verse 12. Um, so it, it says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, double -mind he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
Let the lowly brother boast in his, in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises when, with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also the rich man fade away in the midst of its pursuits. Verse 12, the last verse here. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Now let me say this. This is the first 12. And I want you to go back this, this next week, read these 12 verses again. But really, what is James trying to communicate? He's saying this. He's simply saying this. You can triumph in the midst of trials. That whatever comes your way, you can win. Whatever comes your way, you can overcome. Does anybody here, you need to overcome anything? Anybody here, maybe everyone doesn't else know it, but you know inside you're dealing with something, right? Is there anything that you need to get past in life? Do you believe that this year you finally want to be done with that area, move on and grow healthier, right? Be a better you, draw closer to God. And the ultimate goal and what James is trying to communicate is, is simply this, is that he wants us to mature spiritually by overcoming these things. Listen, we can be absolutely mature physically, right? You can be a mature person. Yeah, I'm a mature person. But it's a whole different thing when you're talking about maturing spiritually. We can all mature spiritually. And this is James's aim in this letter. And he opens up with this idea on how you can triumph in the midst of trials. And he gives us a couple of points right here in, 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 his, in, in the scriptures. And the first thing is this. How can I triumph in the midst of trials? Well, first of all, um, I must choose joy as a perspective, I must choose joy as a perspective. And I want to say this, it is not your neighbor's choice, right? It is not your family member's choice, not your spouse's choice. It's, it's your choice. No one else can choose joy for you. Does that, does that make sense? No, no one else can do that. You must choose for yourself. I'm going to choose for me to have joy as a perspective. Now, you may have heard that... Um, uh, somebody give, give me a water, is it water? Aaron, Aaron, thank you. Uh, you. You may have heard that perspective is everything. You're right. You, you, might have, you might have heard that. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. The Bible said it first. Now, why did the Bible say that? Th th thank you so much. Why did the Bible say that? You know, I'm always interested in why someone or a company does what it does. Like, why does somebody go about and do something? When they're, when they're the innovator of something, why do they do that? Like, there's always the copycat after that, right? Someone comes up with the iPhone, and then Android comes out. <laughs> like, why does someone do what they do? Why did the Bible do that? What was their vision? What was their drive? What was their reason? What was their why? The Bible instructs us to have this specific perspective when it comes to trials in life. Why? Because very simply, how we view God in the midst of the trial has the power to change the outcome in our life. How you view God. See, joy has everything to do with that because we're talking about joy in the Lord. So your perspective in choosing joy has the power to change the outcome of how it goes for you. Listen, you can so easily go into bitterness and depression. It's easy. You can go right into that. You can go into hate. Or you can come into a place of peace. And I know we all want some more peace. You can go into a place of growth and look, oh my goodness, I actually see growth in my life. Or you can be on the other side of this and you're like, man, you may not even see it, but you're starting to stink because of how bitter you are. 
All you can see is, man, I think I'm depressed. I'm not sure, but I think I am. And it comes down to this perspective of choosing joy in your life, choosing it. And the Bible says this. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been through something difficult? Of course you have, right? Ever felt like the weight of the world was on you? We've been there. Like, they, say something's happened to my own health or, or my family or my finances, and all of a sudden I turn away my love from God. Is, is that going to, is, 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 because I've suddenly went rogue with God, is, is that going to make things better in my life? No, it's not. How we view God makes a huge difference. And here's the thing that I want to be clear about this morning, is that God does not change. He doesn't change. It seems like with our emotions, something happens, somebody treats us some way, somebody looks at us a certain way, and all of a sudden we're changed. We're, we're, we're changed. Some, something's happened. Something's happened in our life. We either want to blame him, blame someone else, and, and, and we're affected emotionally. But God does not change. And the Bible says this in Hebrews 13a. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then in Malachi, God said this, For I, the Lord, do not change. He's the same loving father. He's the same loving father that opened his arms to you. He's the one that forgave you. He's the one that gave you mercy and grace and said, listen, I know those things happen in your life, but I forgive you. Let's start brand new. He's the one that said, listen, li li listen, I, 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 I know that you've been haunted by this, but I want to strengthen you and give you a secure place in life. I, I want to give you a future. I want to give you hope. I want to give you new dreams. I want to give you new visions. I want to take you from where you were and place you in a place of prosperity and peace and growth and safety. He is that loving father. He has not changed. He still has these good plans for you and I. In James, it says, it, 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 it says this in verse 2. Count it all joy. Someone say count it all joy. It says this, my brother's. Um, when you meet trials, someone say, when you meet trials of various kinds, say various kinds, and then, and, and then it says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, now uh, count, count it all joy. That, that's a big thing. Before we get going to count it all joy, I want you to look at something. It says, when you meet trials of various kinds, you're going to meet trials of various kinds. Some, some of you, like, we, we meet different kind of people, right? There's some people that we're like, hey, do you want to meet this person? You're like, no, I don't want to meet that person, right? There's, there's some trials in life that you don't want to meet. What do you mean? I, I could be introduced to this kind of, no, God, I don't want to meet no trials this year. God, I do not want to meet any trials. But it says this, when you meet trials, because you will, and they won't always be the same. There'll be different things. There'll be various kinds of trials. Things will happen. That's just life. That's just how it goes. We will face stuff. Now, are we going to persevere? That's the question. That's where James is going with all of this. We persevere. And, but, but it says count it all joy. Now, if you can, would count it all joy. Can you underline that or circle it? If you're in the app, would you just rewrite the word count it all joy? Rewrite that in there. Listen, I want you to understand something. This joy that it's talking about here, this is not worldly joy. This is not that temporal happiness, but rather this is spiritual, enduring, complete joy. Joy in the Lord. And when you have joy in him, you know what you've done? You have now strengthened your position for whatever life brings. Because life is not going to stop. You're going to have various trials. But when you choose a perspective of joy, you've now strengthened your position. You've strengthened it. 
And don't you think for one second that the enemy, the devil is not going to want to try to blow you down or, or push you away from God or get you to turn on this person or that person. It, it wants to throw you off the good course. Stay the course. How do you do it? Choose a perspective of joy. Join the Lord. Listen, happiness, hey, it's going to come and go. I'm happy one minute, I'm not happy. Look, at something happened to me, ah, oh, that kind of messed with my day. But it shouldn't affect your joy. Joy in the Lord. Listen, you ever needed to have firm footing? Remember, you, maybe you've been at the ocean, the wave hits you kind of, you're like, ah. Right, maybe you've been hiking and you're trying to, you know, stay, stay keep your foot, you know, or gym or martial arts, you're training, any. Whatever it is that you're doing, you need to have firm footing. Why? Because sometimes your trials in life, well, sometimes they want to talk down to you. And I don't know if you've been in a situation where, like, where you're like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to have joy, but it seems like this thing keeps telling me. What do you mean have joy? You're no good. You can't do this. You're never going to be better. Life's not going to get better. Why even try? You think that on the other side of this, God wants to bless you and there's good things, but there's not. And the enemy wants to distract you that way, wants to hinder you that way. Right here in this area, wants you to get like, mm, and make your heart cold towards God. Don't let it. Don't let it for one second choose joy in the Lord. Whatever has happened, because whatever has happened doesn't mean that God has stopped being God or God has stopped loving you and I, because he loves us. He loves us. Tell your neighbor that God loves us. In verse 4, I want you to see this. It says this in verse 4. It says this, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about your faith being tested. Trials will test your faith. They will, absolutely. But what we're talking about is going from trials to triumph. And it all begins with your faith being tested in a trial. But if you choose joy in the Lord, you're going to find yourself passing that test. And God's plan and what James is writing here to the Christians is perseverance. Someone say perseverance. So that you can mature and step into the things that God has for you. And not feel like you're stuck in life and nothing is happening and nothing is going anywhere. And yes, I was going to ask you for that slide. This is next. But this is kind of a cycle of what happens. We're here, boom, the trial hits us. And it's like a big old rock, a boulder that hits us. And then we, we come over to testing, and, and now it feels like the fire. And now we're, we're, we're still enduring it here, but we're building endurance, and it's chipping away at us. And now here we are, beautiful and complete. Here's, here's the maturity in the faith, not just maturity in life. Hey, we got to all got to mature more in life. Hey, that's, but I'm talking about maturing in our faith overcoming the trial, the testing, the endurance, so that we can be who God has called us to be. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's a beautiful thing, that you and I would grow. This is where the Lord, this is where our Heavenly Father is leading us this year. This is what he's wanting to develop in you and I. Hey, man, maybe we could think back about, hey, we, we, we were close to God one day. Hey, we're gonna be closer to him. Seek him, walk this journey with us. You're going to find yourself closer to God. Now, there's going to be some shaping and some molding and some trials and some testing and some endurance, but watch what God does in your life. It's going to be a beautiful thing. 
How can I triumph in the midst of trials? Well, first, number one, I must choose joy. And again, it's no one else's choice. It's yours. Don't look to the person next to you. Hey, can you help me make the No, you have to choose joy in the Lord for yourself as your perspective. Number two, never stop asking for wisdom. Never stop asking. Well, I remember that one time I asked God for wisdom. No, never stop asking him for wisdom. We finished a message series on wisdom in the book of Proverbs. I hope you enjoyed that. But wisdom is almost like air. That's kind of what I really took away from that. Wisdom is, 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 is almost like air. Trying to do life without wisdom, it's, 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 it's fatal. It's, it's fatal. Uh, you will do nothing but get yourself in trouble, die. You hurt. It just this doesn't work out. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Who? Who, who despises wisdom and instruction? Fools, right? Uh, Proverbs 19.20, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 12.15 says this, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Right? Uh, uh, my abilities, my strength, my know-how, my connections, my resources. Watch out. I got this. Then it says this, comma, But a wise man listens to advice. James is writing to the Christians and says, listen, trials are inevitable in life. Choose joy, but never stop asking God for wisdom. That should be a part of your life, part of your daily life, part of your, your prayer. Talk to the Lord. God, I need your wisdom. God, God, I, I, I need from you, God. I need your wisdom. I need your, God, I need, God, would you, would you lead me and guide me? God, I need wisdom in my life. And in verse five, he says this, Look at this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. How do you know if you lack wisdom? How do you know if you lack wisdom? Well, let me just say this for starters, okay? Let me say this. Have you ever felt like you didn't know what to do? How to go forward? What was going to be the next step in my life? You need wisdom, right? You need God's wisdom. Someone say, let him ask God. Before you do anything else, please ask God. Ask him to give you the direction, to give you the wisdom. Slow down, take a moment, step away from the situation, breathe and ask God. And here's the thing, this is what I've come to understand, is that sometimes we're over here in this trial, this is us, and we feel like we are uh, a man stuck on an island. And there's no help, no way out. I'm in my trial, and we just want God to take us over there off this island onto the mainland. God, would you just genie me over there? But God doesn't say that. That's not what the Word is teaching us, is it? It's saying you're going to meet trials of various kinds. Does it say ask God to genie you over there? No. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Ask wisdom. Ask for wisdom. Ask him. See, he is absolutely willing to grab you by the hand and take you over here. Build you a life rope or a lifeboat or whatever it is. He, he'll get you off the island and over here. He's willing to do that. God is for you. God has good plans for you. But if you keep thinking because you get upset at God when he doesn't genie you from there to there. 
Well, God, you didn't do it, so maybe. And we get so upset. God, why didn't you just? But he said, choose a perspective of joy because, yeah, it ain't great. Your situation is not great stuck on this island. It's not great. But choose joy and then ask me for wisdom. He'll get you there. He'll, he'll, he'll get, but it's not going to be that whole, I'm rubbing on that. Oh, I rubbed it. God didn't show up. So maybe, okay. I want you to understand the thinking that takes place. Are you following me this morning? This is so important for us. You know, God wants us to ask him for wisdom and how to go about navigating our situation in our life. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, with your kids, you, 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 if you always do it for them, you know, they're never going to know how to do it themselves. You know, you know, you probably heard, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man how to fish, and you'll feed him for a lifetime. God wants you to ask him for wisdom, He's not just genie you from one situation to another. You know, and, and in verse 5, what I love about verse 5, can we go back to verse, uh, verse 5? This is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. That word generous is important because we, we see that over and over when it comes to God. And, and I'm reminded right now of John 3, 16, who's, who we come to understand that God is a giver as he gives his son. He, he's a giver. He is, he, is, he is generous. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. God doesn't have all this wisdom and he say, listen, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 just, I'm just, I'm sorry. You're, you're out of luck. No, he generously gives you the know-how, the strategy, and he opens doors for you. I want you to understand that about him. And then that slide, um, guys, with that puzzle piece, uh, I, I think it's so important for us to understand that having God's wisdom is like the missing puzzle piece in your life. And you've been wondering and questioning so many things like, you know, why hasn't things worked out for me? Or, 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 or why hasn't it went the way that I thought it would go? Or why am I even in this situation? See, the one thing that I can tell you that's, that's probably been missing is God's wisdom. Because you've tried. I don't think there's anyone in here that just sat on there, that's just twiddling their thumbs or, or whatever. It's not that you haven't tried to get past the situation. It's not that you haven't tried to improve. It's that God's wisdom has been lacking. Ask him. Don't just ask him one day. I remember that one time I asked God for wisdom. Ask him. I need God's wisdom. And he says, if you lack, ask him. And he gives generously. And then in verse 8, 6 through 8, it says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his, way, in all his ways. What's that saying? Don't doubt when you ask. Don't come before the Lord and say, Hey, God, would you, would you please do this? And, uh, but you don't really believe him when you, when you asked him to do it. See, when you doubt, you're not just doubting his ability, you're doubting who he is. Go about it with faith. And if he does it, great. If he doesn't, then trust him. Ask him with faith. Because his choosing to do something or choosing not to do something should not affect your faith. He is, again, he is not your genie. 
He, he, he is not. He says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom in faith. And regarding the person who asks and doubts, he says these three things. He says, listen, if, if you're going to doubt me when, when you ask, um, first, first of all, you're like a wave driven and tossed by the sea. Secondly, you should not expect anything from the Lord. If you're going to ask and not believe him, don't, don't even expect. Um, and then he says you're double-minded. You're, you're, you're double-minded. And I want to stop and pause there with that double-minded there for a moment. Double-minded um, here in this passage, this means that you're, you're on for God and then you're off. Yes, yes, God, I, I'm on and then I'm off. On and off, on and off. And, and, and it, you know, it reminds me of that song, guys. Remember like a long time ago, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. All right, I mean, we could totally be on for the Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. The next minute, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, no, Lord. And, and we're double-minded. We ask him, but we don't actually believe that he'll come through. But you, you got to have faith. You have to have faith. That's a, a type of person like that, you can't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Here's the promise, though. Here's the promise. I'm going to get ready to, to, to close. Is this. That if we ask for wisdom with faith, that we'll get it. I want you to understand this. God wants to bless you. Don't think for one second. But sometimes when we hear those words, God wants to bless me, we think, man, I should be here. And then if God wants to bless me, I should be here like, like that. Just That's it, because God wants to bless me, right? God wants to work in your life. But to think that you don't have to put any work we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. God will show you how to navigate through whatever the situation is, and God's way is always the best. It always has the best outcome for you and everyone else around you. Um, David, can you join me? We're, we're, so we're going to close here. I'm going to read um, this last verse 12 to you, and we're going to close and pray. It says this in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. See, the result is God's blessing, and it's really twofold. He says, endure, you're going to get the crown of life. But the other part of this is the spiritual maturity that's going to develop in your life. And so as we're putting this first message together and, 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 and seeking the Lord this challenge came to mind, and it really goes just with the points. And I want you to understand this. Trials are inevitable. They are going to happen. You, got, you may be in one right now. You, you may have just got out of one. I want to tell you there's also the possibility that one can come tomorrow. Here's the thing. Will you choose joy? Whatever you're facing right now, will you choose joy? If it comes tomorrow, will you choose joy in the Lord. The, yeah, this situation feels like I'm stuck on an island by myself. No communication, no help. Well, you choose joy in the Lord. Is God still good if that's what life brought you, if that's what the testing is? Well, you choose joy. And secondly, will you choose to ask him for wisdom? Will you do it? Will you run to every other resource? God is good, brothers and sisters. Church, God is good.
Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're wanting to do in every single one of us. And God, as we dived into this word, it, it feels a little bit stretching. Like there are some areas, God, where we know, hey, maybe we're okay right now, but as soon as we hit the wall, it's going to be tough. But God, I pray, God, that we can choose joy. I pray, God, that we can seek your wisdom. And I pray, God, that those are the first things that would come to mind. I pray, God, your blessing over your house. Whatever they may be dealing with today, God, whatever maybe the trial is now, whatever that area is they want to persevere, overcome, God, or get past, or chains broken in their life, Lord, I pray your blessing. I pray your blessing, Father. And in that same way, God, with, with, with maybe something that might be coming, I pray, God, that our feet are firm in the ground, Lord, that when that testing, that trial comes, God, we're able to stand our ground and eventually walk into the things that you have for us, God. God, may we honor you. We seek you. We desire you. Bless your house, Father. Bless your house. Help us to persevere in you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. And maybe with nobody looking around, maybe you're here and it's the first Sunday of the year and you're you're wanting to start your year off just getting right with God. And if that's you, nobody looking around, you say, you know what, I need to get right with God. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Or maybe I need to give this, my life to the Lord for the first time. God is new and I need to do that. If that's you, just quickly put your hand up and hand down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Two of us this morning. Anybody else? Thank you so much. I see your hand. Three of us. The Lord bless you. Choose him and watch what he does. Seek him. Father, I pray your forgiveness over us. God, as you hear the people, let them say it themselves, God, but, but hear us, God. Would you forgive us? Whatever wrong thing we've done, whatever wrong thing we've thought, whatever wrong thing we've participated or have come out of our mouth, God, I pray you would forgive us, Lord. I pray, God, that your mercy and grace would come over us. God, we want to honor you, and we want to do the right thing. Help us, Lord. And God, we receive your forgiveness today. We receive eternal life. And God, we receive a fresh start. Help us to be all that you've called us to do. In Christ Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen.